How are you now? Good, and you? Not so bad. Look at that. Worked like a charm. Yeah. Well, you got a new phone now. You're good to go. Yeah, we found out what need just needs to happen. It doesn't take us three tries to <laughs> to get on the same line. Nope, and I gave you plenty of time on your 60 seconds. I gave you a good 90 to 120 probably. So <laughs> I even told you to go. I was waiting for you. So it's Lent. It is Lent. Happy Lent. Is that do you say happy no, Lent? <laughs> I don't think so. I don't think so. <laughs> That's not a thing. Uh, a blessed Lent. Okay. Okay. Um, and a repentant Lent to you. <laughs> uh, a miserable Lent to you. Yes. I... May <laughs> May you dwell in sackcloth and ashes for forty days. A dour and solemn forty days. Yeah. For you. Right. A sacred, a holy, a holy Lent to you. There we go. That's pretty good. Yeah. Blessed it's it's kind of like happy. It starts with an H. Right. Uh, it was Ash Wednesday yesterday. It was weird not doing church. Yeah, yeah I've I done bet. church um, for so many Ash Wednesdays. Well, I guess no. I even did get to go to Ash Wednesday last year. Even I went. I attended one, but um, but yeah, it was strange. Yeah, I, I was like, like Ash. I I was like Ash Wednesday. Me too, and it does. It is important as a marker, right? Like uh, Lent always sneaks up on you. Yeah. Well, because you, you even said Advent by accident. I think it does come up like, you're like, we just got out of Christmas. The New Year's just going. And now it's time to do Lent already. Yeah. Yeah. So it is an Ash Wednesday uh, with its stark reminder that we are, we're entering a, a different season here. Yeah. And Joe, I'm going to, I'm going to be you for a second, if you don't mind. Go and, ahead. Go ahead. Um, and, and I'm always the one that says, let's not talk to an audience. Let's just have a conversation. Um, but um, somebody had asked me about the podcast recently and, um, and I said, yeah, we are starting back up to do, to do a series on Lent. And um, so anyways, I felt like, for anybody who is interested or who has listened or has enjoyed this in the past, you can expect, if I'm good at math, six of these, six more. I don't know. I can never remember whether you count Holy Week as part of Lent or not. So we'll six or seven it. total. We'll we're going to reflect it. on Lent. Yes. What's that? I said we'll count it. It's our show. We can say we're doing seven. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. It'll be the day before Monday, Thursday. Yeah. Middle of Holy Week. So anyways, um, which we don't do much of. We're grateful for the six of you who listen. <laughs> this is for you. <laughs> I think we get up to seven or eight other times. So, Come on. Now we're killing it. Let's see if we can go for a dozen during Lent. Let's go good. for a dozen. That's a good goal. <laughs> Tell your friends. Tell your friends. We want a dozen listens, listeners. Um, yeah. Where did you want to start? You usually have the idea of where you want to start. Or you wanted me to start. I don't well, remember. No, we did have this thought, though, of just Lent is kind of a scarce time. It's usually a time when we uh, humble ourselves in some sort of different ways. You know, it's uh, it's connected to giving up or fasting. And um, it's interesting, this notion of like, I already feel like we're living through a time like that and still are, you know, for this whole past year and the pandemic and 
Um, but I think I just want to start there, like how it feels different this year, how it's just, you know, Lent is often a heavy time where you're intentionally, you know, you go through rituals and intentional practices to, to awaken yourselves to mortality and to sin, sinfulness and brokenness and other things. And yeah, I just feel like we're already living in heavy times. Um, right. So it's got a different feel this year for me, but. Yeah, I remember somewhere towards the end of Lent last year, I saw something on the interwebs that said, I didn't really plan on giving up quite this much for Lent. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And little little did we know that we would start Lent all over again uh, <laughs> before we were out of this mess. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't even... We used to talk about getting back to normal or think about that, even though we knew that probably wasn't helpful language. And I, I feel like I don't remember what normal is anymore in that way, right? Um, mm -hmm. Which is fine. Things change. The world has changed now. We're changed. Um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I do think that's one of the, I mean, I, I don't even want to call it a blessing, but I do think that's one of the things because it took a full year or it's taking a full year and we're not out of it yet, but the numbers are dropping really, really well now that the vaccine's starting to get out there. But, um, you know, I wonder if it had stopped prior to hitting, because we're not quite to a year yet, but pretty close, that if it had stopped somewhere before we hit a full year's a cycle, I wonder if it would have felt easier to get back to a normal, whatever that was. But now I think most of us feel like we have to create something new. Yeah. Um, the things, the thing that comes next is not going to just be a reworking of what was. I mean, and I think you and I are people who think ideally it won't be a reworking of what was, right? Like, yeah. And now we have an opportunity to do to do something new because things are different. The world is different. Yeah. Yeah. I wonder how much how much that should always be true at Lent. You know, how much it should always yeah. lead us to. Mm. something new that is unexpected uh that is each year transformational uh, yeah i mean if we were maybe that's the point right things like this can actually like you say a full year in a pandemic maybe it does take that to actually get us to change our habits and embrace the new embrace the different well enough uh to start to uh, to get out of the ruts we might have been in, right? Um, yep. To be actually be able to think differently. You know, they talk about like you have to train the different um, parts of your brain, right? That different mm -hmm. synapses kind of get uh, cemented. Um, well, even you just said to get stuck in a rut. Like yeah. I've been like that's uh, that's like apparently that's a physical thing, right? Like so when when we have habits, the brain forms a new crease right and so that it's easier to do that the next time yeah and so like when we get stuck in a rut like neurologically it it actually mimics that yeah yeah wow yeah so so let's make some new ruts <laughs> yeah and let's see what it feels like to, <laughs> to, to jump out of those old ones right or or climb and crawl out of them yeah yeah. 
I mean, I think that one of the things that you and I have just been having a conversation on our own about was what, you know, fast, fasting doesn't make as much sense this year, right? When we've already lived through a year of deprivation yeah, um, with large swings. But I think anybody who is listening to our podcast has felt it as deprivation, right? I mean, obviously, we know uh, on a broader scale that those who are wealthy have only increased in wealth and have suffered very little um and not just the top one percent but like the top 20 or 30 percent of the country um has had to make changes but um but as a broad category hasn't experienced deprivation um yeah especially not financially or right food wise yeah um yeah leaving space for that the fact that you know when over 500,000 people have died, like most of us know at least one person. Um, yeah. And so we all have to take that into account. But um, yeah, so what do we do during Lent, during a season of deprivation? I mean, a season of depression for most of us, I think, right? And at least in, in waves. Um, yeah. At least depressive waves. I think you and I both have admitted that to one another and with, and I think, you know, with some caution, right? Like trying to give space that, you know, people do suffer from what would be clinical depression. And yet just because that's true, I don't think any one of us separately needs to minimize the depressive character of this last year in so many ways. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I I always want to be careful not to try to speak as if I understand a a clinical depression that others might be going through, but I've definitely felt blue. I felt down. um, Yeah. Times over this past year. And um, yeah. Lethargic. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. (laughs) Well, it doesn't help when in the upper Midwest here, we had over two weeks of temperatures, like highs in the single digits, only the low, the low single digits at that. Um, although that's not even a, a, that's, that's normal for us, but poor Texas is even getting that right now. Yeah. And they are facing those real problems of heat and food scarcity and water scarcity. um, Well, I think that's the other part of this last year too, right? Is that it, it hasn't just been, you know, I don't get to go on vacation deprivation. It's that we're also, it's not just about that, right? We've, we've, for so many reasons, both the pandemic, um, plus, uh, I mean, a lot of it was precipitated by George Floyd's murder, that we have really sort of seen the underbelly of our culture, of our systems, um, governmental in particular, and, um, you know, and really sort of seen the inadequacy of so many things that we've been living with um some of us allowing and others having to endure um and so i think that's for those of us who have tried to pay attention to those things that's also been hard to swallow and to hard to know what to do again when we're supposed to sort of stick to ourselves and um and just in general what is the right way to make systemic change uh you know, in any case, in any situation. Yeah, it's always so overwhelming. Um, 
and like you say, all the things right now, right? All of those different areas, the pandemic, um, racial inequity, racial justice causes the political strife, including this insurrection on our capital and the, the, the inability to, to even be moved to any sort of meaningful unity after that. Like it all seems so overwhelming, so large. Yeah. It, it, it does remind me it, you know, you think about the, the words that are used on Ash Wednesday very often, the remember you are dust and to dust you will return. Um, that's such a stark reminder, but it actually, when you, when you mentioned feeling down and feeling depressed, actually was like, you know, but sometimes it's words like that, that can help wake you back up again. Cause you remember, um, you remember your own insignificance in a, in a healthy way, you know? Yeah. Uh, and you remember that life is precious, you know, to be reminded of our own mortality, to see, to see how fleeting life is, uh, with this pandemic and other things like there is that other side of the coin then to be, uh, woken back up to the beauty of life around you. And, Mm-hmm. Yeah, I have um, <clears throat> some colleagues in ministry who who won't say, "Remember that you are dust, and to dust you shall return." And I, uh, on Ash Wednesday, and <clears throat> and I think it's interesting about you know the piece you're saying to remember our insignificance in a good way. And you know, I think that's that is, you know, that's it's beneficial for folks like you and I. I think, and um, for lots of reasons. Some of them social. Uh, some of them are privilege based. Others are our own theological, whatever, exploration and, and, um, and exposure. Um, but, you know, I wonder how, you know, but we also know that a lot of people go through life feeling insignificant, right? That like, yeah, that like I have the lack of self and I'm alone and nobody gives a shit. And, you know, and so, <clears throat> so then I guess one of the questions is like, how does mortality um, speak a good word into those places? And, um, into, and for those people. And one of the ways that I did it, and I, this might be too weak a pill too, but, um, you know, whenever I celebrated Ash Wednesday, I always made this thing about asking people what their name was. And I even told people, I said, this is not just a ploy, uh, for those of you whose name I don't know. I said, I'm going to intentionally ask all of you what your name is. Um, even the people who it's obvious that I know your name. I said, because I feel like when, when I, when we're about to talk about our own mortality, or someone else is going to remind you of your mortality, it's good to be able to name ourselves. Yeah. Um, and so I said, you know, whatever you want to be called, you can give me the most formal name you can, that you have, you know, um, first, middle, last, and, you know, the, the formal version of it, you know, uh, Nicholas rather than Nick or whatever. And um, <clears throat> I said, or, you know, if you don't want that, like, give me your nickname, <laughs> you know, like, yeah, yeah. you know, maybe, maybe everyone just, you know, calls you squeaks or something. And like, <laughs> if that's, if that's who needs to be reminded, or you want to be reminded of your mortality, then like, there's power in that, in that being allowed to name ourselves. And um, so I would say, like, uh, you know, I usually 
I usually use my formal name for whatever reason. I guess I'm just a formal guy. Um, oh, which... yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Good. I was about to say, like, anybody who knows me. Uh, but uh, so, anyway, so I, but then I would have, say, you know, Kyle, Andrew Carnes, uh, you are a beloved child of God. Remember that you are dust and to dust you shall return. And I felt like it was really important that if you, because I got the, I got my colleague's point that if it was just mortality and it was just shoving darkness and worthlessness and like, and because I think you're right, there's something insignificant does not mean worthless, right? And I think that's one of the mistakes we've made. Yeah. And um, and so I think before we talk about our mortality, remembering that we, you know, at least as uh, Psalm 139 would say, fearfully and wonderfully made. Um, and that, that, and that, that we are a project of love, um, yeah. and mortal. Um, I, so for me, that was the way that I tried to bring those two things together. Um, because we should be reminded of both all the time, right? That we are loved and we are yeah. mortal. Um, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And, and being reminded of our mortality, Obviously, it has that heavy, kind of scary side to it, um, but it also is freeing, right? It's it's liberating. It's um, anything that's of reality is ultimately going to be kind of liberating, right? Um, so, especially when you have that piece about reminding people that they are loved. And then reminding them, you know, of their mortality. It's, I don't know. Is that, do you get what I'm saying by that? I don't. Um, yeah. It sounds like something Richard Rohr would say, you know, about anything that's of reality would be liberating. Yeah. Cause it's at least, it's at least being willing to, you know, see things around us with an ice cold eye. Right. That, mm -hmm. um, yeah. Because, yeah, because it would be because if we add a pejorative or a value judgment to the idea of mortality, then it can become <clears throat> whatever, dark and weighty and whatever. And um, and maybe it still is, you know, but I, th I think the piece is that it's OK to contemplate our mortality. And in fact, there's a chance that with our consumer culture who would prefer that we behave as though we can have endless growth and acquire anything and everything we want if only we work hard enough. Um, and that it's, you know, that we too can be immortal if we just have all the right things. And yeah, <clears throat> obviously that's an oversimplification, but I think particularly with that, that sort of says, you know, there's no amount of face cream that's gonna keep you alive. <laughs> right. And that's probably okay. It's probably okay. And it's it is a, it, it's a setting and a, a a real a realization of the limits allows you to be free within those limits, right? Yeah. I mean limits are super important. Boundaries. Like no art can be made without limits, without boundaries, without exactly. a, a context within which it's made. Yep. Um yeah, good. I'm glad you said that. That because that's what I mean by the liberation, the freedom of it. We are free right. to to make the art of our lives. The, the boundary is set. We are dust, and to dust we will return. 
Right. Now, now go and enjoy the time you get like, well, yeah. Enjoy is one way, but, but at least whatever. I mean, I think, um, right. The question is, the question is just what, right. I think about when I went to England and I stayed in this, uh, Celtic Christian, uh, intentional community and they had three, three sort of guiding questions. And the one that really just keeps coming back to me is how then shall we live? And yeah. maybe, maybe that's, maybe that's the point, right? Is you don't, you don't just get reminded of your mortality or you can, but then it's good to ask a question after it. Right. So to you are dust and to dust, you shall return. How then shall we live? Right. Um, yeah. What, what will you make of it? You know, particularly that, you know, and it's, and I think, uh, again, I think you and I try to be cognizant of our, our place and our privilege. And so like, it can be easy for us to say, to enjoy it. Right. Because, yeah, with all of the things that we have, we should just enjoy it. And like, shame on us for for her. And I and I use that shame word very infrequently, and uh, probably maybe maybe I shouldn't use it there. But you know, what excuse do you and I have to not be enjoying it? <clears throat> and and or maybe even more so to be working for those who were not born into a situation that enjoyment isn't really. Uh, at least a seemingly present choice. We have the choice yeah. and people do choose it. But then what do, what do we, you know, what are we doing so that pursuit of that, so that the pursuit of happiness becomes uh, even just a little marginally, marginal, marginally a bit easier uh, for someone else? Yeah, and enjoy in that fullest sense of the word, meaning get the most out of it. Um, yeah. Make the most of it, not in a productive, you got to produce, produce, produce sort of way, but in a, you know, not just drink it all, but to drink and share, right? Eat, drink, yeah. and be merry together with others. Not because uh, if you are just pursuing your own enjoyment, like you're saying, uh, that, that there's an emptiness there. Uh, but how now shall we live is going to lead us to the realization that uh, it's about community. It's about being with and for the, those around us. Right. Um, yeah. The question is not how then shall I live? You're right. How then shall we live? Yeah. And maybe, maybe that's the thing, you know, coming into a season of Lent, like you said, already in a time of, sort of depravity um is that the word we use no I, deprivation deprivation maybe okay, depravity too maybe we should be <laughs> although but we're not we're not calvinists so we don't believe in total depravity we believe in original right. goodness joe that's true i do um <laughs> uh yeah but well, i think to the yeah i was just gonna say maybe we get to that a little quicker this lent this this uh we're already, the pump is primed. We're already in this state of deprivation and in longing yeah. and in being cut off. And the world is starting to open up a little and we still have to be safe. But, you know, we are going to have chances to connect again. Um, yeah. Probably over these next six, seven weeks. And and where can we go from here? How, how now shall we live together after this long time in the wilderness 
Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think I'll, I'll just say this last little bit too, is that, um, as I told you, Jamie and I have been, this is actually Jamie's thing. She used it for this leadership program that she's a part of. And, um, it's become a refrain of ours around the house and just that no one is okay right now. And, um, just with everything going on. And, uh, we've been using that as sort of a word of empathy, even just to one another. We try, you know, sometimes it's the people closest to us that it's the most difficult to have empathy for. Sure. Um, Yeah. But, you know, we've had a lot of other people in our, in our circles and in our orbit of, uh, of our business and work and family and neighbors. And um, yeah, so I think that's, that's been my starting point lately is just this place of no one is okay right now. Um, Sometimes I even use it for myself, have a little bit more empathy for myself. Uh, give myself a little more grace. Um, so I think with all those things, the question is, is then what does a, a Lenten discipline look like right what what can we what um what might we do this uh this season yeah and do might be the wrong thing for uh, americans what might we let be what might we see or um you know what might we contemplate and that and and with the with richard Rohr's definition which i think he stole from somebody else um contemplation being a long loving look you know what what happens yes. what what needs to have a long loving look on our from our own our own place our own seat um yeah i think I, or what or, go ahead or who who needs to be heard too right like maybe there's a practice of listening to yeah a particular uh group or uh or just we'll anything, right? Minority, you know? Yeah, yeah. Like, rather than doing, creating, speaking, what does it look like just to listen <laughs> mm-hmm. to anything and everything and anyone? Listen. Yeah. Yeah, that's good. Um. Yeah. Well, the other thing I was going to say about the long loving look too, is just that Roe would also say that you can't truly know something unless you're willing to love it. Mm. Cause it's only love that sees something as it truly is or desires to see something as it truly is and not just how we want it to be. Yeah. Now that's, Yeah, that's good. That's a high bar, right? Uh, it is, but it is a high bar. But I also think that it's uh, it's another access to love, right? Like we get so caught up in love being an affection or some kind of goal or something we have to live up to. But I I like I like the sort of it makes love almost functional, right? Like it's a it's a tool we can use. Uh, and again, not to get too utilitarian, but like. like that it's a lens through which we can, if we're willing to use it as a lens, things look differently through the lens of love. Well, and we're not good at accepting 
<laughs> situations or people or things for, for what they are, right? We do tend to want it to be how we want it to be. And we want to yeah. well, that- define others or define a situation or, uh-huh. or, um, or mold others to, to our ideas of what, how they should be or should not be. Or Well, maybe that's, maybe that's where we bring all the pieces that we've uh, said together. Maybe that's how it all comes together. Cause I do need to duck off and, get some kids here soon but you know you started off by saying that things that are of reality are liberating right so um and that connects back to what you were just saying um yeah you know that makes me think i don't want to limit where people are going with this in their own minds but that's making me think of the political we were mentioning right the um like we have to be realistic about who we are as Americans, the American story, you know. Um, many of us have been trying to do the work of learning again what the experience of of black people have been in this country. Um, and I'll admit I know so little about that, but I've definitely learned a lot in the last year, actually, trying to engage that question a little more, trying to relearn yeah um and on the one hand you can say oh some of the things we've done in our past are really bad and start to you want to turn away or ignore but but love like you said love is the thing that will allow you to to look and see and and know the whole story um and still receive it in love yeah because the point is to see it as it really is right and like and that's yeah. what you were saying is not that and not how we want it to be because there is no liberation in forcing our own views on somebody else um or 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 only staying stuck in our own lens that there's no liberation there yeah. um, and then that goes back to too about allowing people to name themselves as you remind them that they are a project of love and that all of us are mortal yeah. Well, I guess that's the beginning of Lent, huh? Sounds like it, man. Um, we are dust, and to dust we shall return. And that means sometimes you got to go get the kids. <laughs> right. In the, in the meantime, <laughs> pick up your kids from school. <clears throat> uh, that, too, is valuable. All right, brother. Well, I, I love you. Yeah, and... Um, <laughs> We'll uh, we'll talk again soon, no doubt. Love you too, my friend. Yes. Uh, have a good afternoon. All right. Peace and love.